Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) this pillow is bigger than the couch, bro. How the hell do I get comfortable with this thing? Anyway, I have a very special guest today. He's my friend. We've been friends a long time. He's my friend. He's a hilarious comic. He's a big booker, a producer. He's done a lot of stuff. He's getting comfortable. Not as much as this garage, bro. Ladies and gentlemen. Mr. J. Davis. Hey, all right. Thanks dude, for having me. Dude, wait a minute. So you like this garage? What were you I saying? walked in and the first thing I said was like, oh, my, dude, these movies piled up, bro. I mean, I didn't realize, you know, when you see it all on the wall, you're like, this dude's a straight up movie star, bro. Like, It's like your IMDb's on your garage wall. Did you and when for- you see it, it's like, damn, impressive, impressive. You, thank you, buddy. And we started together. We did. And, you know, you were a big inspiration to me. With comedy. How? Well, because, you know, we used to work out together back at the Bailey, Bally's. Remember Bally's in Studio City? I used to Way work back. there. Yeah. And you worked out there. I worked out you there. You had a membership there. and, and We were I, buddies. I was the weight shining kid. And we're talking. I mean, we were in our early 20s back I was then. 90, 91. Yeah. And that's when I met you and we became buddies, kind of. And then, I, then you were doing comedy before me. And then I decided one day I just want to do comedy. And my buddy was working at this um, hotel bar at the Palms Hotel. It was called, it's now a Holiday Inn, I think, over on Island. Yeah. They had a little bar room in there. And I guess they were doing comedy there. I didn't know anything about comedy, like nothing, right? I just knew I wanted to try it. I had done it when I was 19 once at the comedy store open mic, the three-minute thing. But I was too young to go in, so they had me sit out on the patio, sign up. And they got me on. And when they call your name, they let you go into the club and perform. But then you got to go right back to the patio because I was only 19. Yeah. So I did that when I was 19. Then I didn't do comedy until I was 25. And um, I, I, we had met before, but we didn't really know each other that well. You know, some time went by, I think, since Bally's. No, I, I hold that thought. I met you at Bally's. <laughs> I was cleaning the weights and you were working out there. Yeah. Then I tried to get a job. At the St. James Club, and I met you, and I almost got a job there, which is now called the whatever. Uh, it's that Art Deco hotel across from the Saddle Ranch called. Which, um, yeah, it was the same. It, it was called the Saint Argyle. James. The Argyle. That was a hot. That was the greatest like bus boy valet job in town. You can make like a hundred bucks a day. Yeah. Bellman. You were there. Yep. I met you there again, and then it was like you were like this is. You were like, here's how you apply. I applied. I didn't get it, but I didn't know you, but I kept running into you. Then I went to, so I went, tried to apply as a bar back at, across the street at, what is it? Now the Pink Taco is there. What oh, was it? Uh, Roxbury. Yeah. And you were working there. Yep. And then I'm like, fuck. And so then I couldn't get jobs. So then I started doing stand-up, and then you came on the stand-up circuit. Right. But some time had gone by since then because we were kind of living two different types of lives, you know? I was yeah. in the party scene. Yeah. Because I was at the Roxbury. I became a bartender. And I was going to the late night parties. I remember running into you and you're like, I would, dude, but I'm doing the stand-up. But no, this, I think this was after I realized you were doing stand-up because then the next time I saw you, I didn't realize it was you because that was that Palm show. I didn't know it was you. I, right? I, I didn't realize that we had already kind of been connected because it was the palms on, on, yeah. on, on, on Highland. So obviously, because I was Western. working all these party spots, I knew a lot of hot girls just from when you bartended there, you could give them free drinks. So they'd always give me their phone numbers. So hot chicks, I'd always float them a drink or two to keep them hanging around. And then guys would come in. Yeah. 
and buy the girls drinks. So I'd make more money yeah. off dudes. And, uh, so I got all their phone numbers. I just was collecting chicks numbers, you know? Yeah. And then I decided to, um, try comedy again at 25. So I wrote like eight minutes or something. It was, it was pretty bad. And, <laughs> but I thought I was so good. I was so cocky. You know what I mean? I thought, oh, I'm going to be a big stand up comic. This is, this is going to be great. I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah. But I knew how to promote. I was a great promoter all yeah. the time. So I packed this little room that was just a little, like, basically an open mic that 10 comics would come down and work out in front of each other. Yes. And this particular night, I brought, like, all these smoking hot chicks and it was packed. Like, I probably brought like 80 people in a room that held 50. Yeah. And they were just busting out of the seams in there. Yeah. And um, I remember you you went on, and I think you had forgotten about me. Like, we, we realized after that we had met at Bally's and all this other stuff, but at that time, I forgot that we kind of knew each other. Yeah. You were, you were doing your thing. Yeah. And you went up, and you were hilarious, and you are doing good, but you kept saying, who's this Jay Davis guy? Right? Cause, and I thought... <laughs> And see, me not being in the comedy community at that time, I wasn't in the comedy community at all. Yeah. I'm just there. I'm all cock. I'm that first time guy that thinks I'm the shit because yeah. I got everybody there. Yeah. You know, I would probably bomb, but they were sympathy friend laughing and I thought I was better than I was kind of thing because mm. I saw the set. It wasn't that good. And <laughs> recorded it. <laughs> it's recorded. Holy shit. It made it on Torgasm. You know, it's the one where I had the long hair and I'm like, oh, wow. I have a 7-Eleven. Okay. Thing on. It wasn't bad, but it, yeah, it was bad. In okay. my mind now, it was bad, but they were laughing. It was stupid. Okay. And, but you went on before me, and then you kept saying, Who is this Jay Davis guy? And I'm like, Dude, I'm Jay Davis. You know, you're, I didn't realize you were just going around asking everybody, Who are you here to see? And they're like, Jay Davis, Jay Davis. You're like, and, and, you know, being in the comedy community now, yeah. you kind of know everybody. So oh, I yeah. could see why you're like, Who's like, how come I don't know this dude if everybody's here to see him? Yeah. But it was like my first time doing it since five years. So anyway, I did it. And then we kind of, you were like, then we hung out at the bar and had drinks. And then that's when we realized, oh, I used to work at Bally's. And then we kind of caught on to the past, right? Yeah. At that time. And then, um, boom, some time went by and I didn't do comedy again. Like that was it. Like I thought I had to write a new 10 minutes every time, which probably is a good idea, but I didn't do comedy again for like five, six years. And in that time, you blew up. I mean, you got Scream, you got all these big movies. I'm like, I was so proud of you, you know? Like, we didn't really hang out. Mm. I'd, I'd run into you on the sunset. You were, like, getting food, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to this party. You want to go? And you're like, hey, bro, now I've got my writing partner. I'm going to go write. <laughs> you know? I got shit to do, bro. I'm becoming a movie star. You know? That's big. It's like, I'm actually working, bro. You're going to parties? I don't do that. Like, I'd love to, but I got a plan. I got goals. I said, you know, I'm not going to go do drugs and drink with a bunch of chicks that don't care about you. you know? I'm going to actually go become a movie star and a, and a successful comedian. So that's. You know, and I remember that day, like, I think it was by the liquor locker when I ran into you because I was walking. You want to, I got it. I can get us in. You're like, dude, I would love to, but I'm working. And then I realized, dude, that was so inspirational because then I watched your career just, just take off. And then like five years, I remember I was just kind of a little down and I was running all these bars and stuff. I mean, I was having a good career in the bar business. Mm. And then uh, I started thinking like, man, I should really like, imagine if I kept doing comedy every night. Mm -hmm. You know, like what could have happened? Like Jamie just showed me. He never stopped, bro. That guy was on stage every night since then. Mm -hmm. And look at his career. He's got the biggest agents. He's booking big movies with big, he's becoming a movie. He is a movie star. Mm -hmm. So that was very inspirational to me. And then uh, 
I realized like, you know what? That, that proves that if you, you got to put the work in, you can't be out of here partying and bullshitting around because time just goes by and you're either dead or, you know, sitting in some dude's closet, you know, going, what's going on here? You know, um, that sounded really gay. <laughs> Why would I be sitting in some dude's closet? I don't know what that was, but it's all right. But yeah, but I realized like, dude, I got to, I came out here to be an actor. Yeah. Right. And I really enjoy doing comedy. I can get people out there. Yeah. And that's when I made that decision, you know, and you were a big inspiration to me to start that Dublin's comedy show. I was one of the inspirations for Dublin. For sure. Because I realized no one's going to book me. So why don't I just build my own stage and book myself? Cause I can promote it. And that's kind of how Dublin's came to life. Do people know Dublin's outside of LA? Cause it has such a lore. You know, I think people do because when tourists would come here, it became this legendary spot for comedy. And at the time, the comedy world was kind of dead. You know, the big 80s heyday had just happened. Yep. And this was like, this was like late 90s going into 2000. Yeah. And it was kind of, uh, I guess it was a dead scene, right? But I knew no one's going to book me at the Laugh Factory or the comedy store. Nobody knows me. So I thought, why don't I just, um, and I don't like doing these open mics and shit, you know, like I was like, they had to make people stand in line and sign up all the time. I'm like, why don't, why would I do that? Then I invite friends and they're sitting there watching all this terrible comedy Yeah, and they got to, they don't even know what time I'm going on for, for me doing three to five minutes. I'm like, I can't promote that. You know, why don't I just do my own room? And, um, that's when we built Dublin's and put a stage in and packed it up and, let me go back. Yeah. Let me go back. When you, when I, I first met you, I was shining the weights at Bailey's and you were working out. You were doing the circuit. Mm-hmm. And then I would run into you, dude. You're kind of like Forrest Gump. I would see you at places. And then when I, I ran into you against St. James Club and then again, when you came to that little open mic... You transformed this tiny little bar, hotel bar, into a. It was insane. Yeah. It was, and it was not only packed, people were laughing, and there was beautiful, beautiful women. Mm-hmm. It was like 40 beautiful women. I was like, what the f-? This was like our usual freak show. Yeah. And that's where we're like, we're here, we're friends with Jay, Jay. This is like 93-ish. I think you're right. That is 93-ish. 93-ish, right at 94-ish. Cause it was that's right exactly was, right. I was really broke, and I had just, but I had done it enough that I was just start. but I was so broke because I put so much time into it, so I had nothing. Mm-hmm. But I was just starting to make my little tiny inroads into like, Getting a spot here and there at the improv, but like that was it. And I starting to like maybe get meetings with commercial agents. And I was like, who's this Jay Davis? <laughs> and everyone's like, where is AJ? And then, like I said, we connected and I was like, oh my God, I remember you. And then, boom, you then took that place, Dublin's. When did you do Dublin's? Was I used to perform in it. Do you know what it used to be called before that? Carlos and That's Charlie's. Right. Yeah. And Carlos and Charlie's was a cool restaurant. And then they had a little side room for comedy. And that and the Rose Tattoo were like the cool good spots in town because they were cabarets. But then you, then it closed as everything does in LA and it rebrands itself. It became the Irish Bar. And then I started <clears throat> getting busy. And so like you said, the scene was kind of dead. 
And people don't realize you didn't do comedy in LA. It was a showcase clubs. Mm -hmm. You got known and then you left. I was doing colleges. I was doing corporates. I was doing like events and festivals. So you didn't go and do five minutes. It's different now. And I came back. Yours fucking place was the hottest place in town. And it, it was really at 99? 99 it started, yeah. Yeah. That's that right. was, and that was the I first remember, time I got back into it was uh, when I started. You got right room. back into it. And within, <laughs> I remember, I think Justin Timberlake's birthday party was at your club. Dude, it's funny you brought him up. Because I was like, they're, they're like, yo, yeah. Justin Timberlake's going into the comedy show. I'm like, what? Yeah. And you made comedy sexy. Well, NSYNC, that's when NSYNC was at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. And Backstreet Boys. Yeah. And they took two booths. I had Backstreet Boys in one booth, NSYNC in one booth with Britney Spears there and Pink. All were there. Wow. And it's hilarious because I became wow. friends. Like, my favorite rock band is Alice in Chains. And because I used to work at the Sunset Marquee Bar, I met all these great rock stars. And they would come support my shows like I never dreamed I'd be friends with these guys. So, um, the, the my neighbor at the time was opening for Alice in Chains and then uh, he's actually the new singer of Alice in Chains now, William. William. Okay. So him and I are having lunch at the Gaucho Grill, which is across the street from the was was across the street from the Laugh Factory, which is now like a taco shop in that little strip mall. Yeah. So we're having lunch there one day. I love Gaucho Grill there. Yeah, we're having lunch one day and um you know, dude, I, I haven't really done anything that much except for Dublin's and other comedy shows at that time. And we're just chilling, having lunch. And then he's like, hey, don't look now, but um, Justin Timberlake and Cameron Diaz just came in this when he was dating her and sat down two tables behind you. I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. That guy comes to my comedy shows. I should go say hi to him. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, you're, you're not scared and, to do that. No, but we're just finishing up our dinner. I don't really know the guy, but I know he's been to my show a lot. I wanted to say hi to him, but I go up to go pay my bill kind of by the counter and by the bathrooms. And I look over and they're just getting their food. So I'm like, I don't want to be that yeah. guy interrupting their meal. She's a big star too. You know what I mean? I, I might Huge look like star. a douche. So I'm like, I'm just going to leave it alone. So I sign my check as I'm looking down, I look up and Timberlake is walking over towards the bathroom. So I'm thinking he's probably going to the bathroom. So I'm like, Oh, this would be a good time to say hi. Cut him off at the pee. And before I could say anything, he goes, dude, Jay Davis, what is going on? I'm like, what? He goes, Jay, dude, you have no idea. This is so crazy, bro. I'm sitting over here with my girlfriend, Cameron, and I'm facing the Laugh Factory, and I start thinking to myself, like, hey, Cameron, remember that first date I took you on to Dublin's Comedy Night? How much fun was that? And then I look over, and I'm like, wait, that's the dude right there, Jay Davis. There's the host. And he's like, dude, I'm freaking out, and you're right here. No way. I go, dude, I was going to say hi to you. And he goes, I didn't want to interrupt your meal. He goes, dude, you can interrupt me anytime. I would interrupt you. You know, I was like, that was so cool. Hold so on. Justin it. Timberlake rolled up to you at a gaucho grill <laughs> yeah. while Cameron is ordering her appetizers. No, they just got their meal. Oh my God. He didn't God. take his first bite. He got all excited. I was like, he's excited <laughs> to see me. I'm like, that was a pretty cool day. Like I was like, wow, Timberlake was excited to see me. Dude, you, cause you made an impact on sunset. You, yeah. you took this Irish bar and gave it and brought in the best comics and really blew it up. You made the scene. You were the first guy to make comedy young and vivacious. What I mean by that is because when I started comedy, it was more like a freak show. And now comedy is all sexy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like they, the comics started becoming like rock stars. Yes, but when you you were the first guy to do that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Because it just kind of naturally came together like... I feel like it definitely was my purpose in life, like to do that. Like there was something a little beyond, 
like I came up with this idea and then running into you and you know, I wanted to do acting and I, I just could never land it. I was either always too young for something or too old for it or not the right type. And I couldn't even get an agent and, Dude, and then you, all of a sudden I did this show and it just blew up in like three weeks. It was like the biggest thing. Like it was a real, like it was crazy. It was just meant to be. Why did you stop after you did our first show when it was successful? I think just fear maybe held me back or something. I don't know. I don't know what so you I, took I, like I just five really years off, five years off. And, and then I, and you really like watching you like, and I'm thinking, why didn't I just keep doing i didn't know how to do it I and you think. saw me at the li- i remember this. you saw me at the liquor locker and i was like yeah, yeah dude i gotta go write this script and yeah. you were like yo there's a party up mm-hmm. in the hills you were literally yeah, like yeah. come up yeah. we'll, you know we got some snow mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I wasn't a snow guy <laughs> i'd be dead by now if i did that shit <laughs> but you're like it's but like no it was it always like, around but i never did it yeah, i actually it was, was sober for from yeah. 20 because i drank so much when i started at the roxbury because I was only 19 when I got the job there. I remember that. I wasn't even old enough to be in the club. So, like, I'm the one putting the liquor up. So, I'm like, what's this? Oh, I'd try that. Oh, Frangelico. Oh, let me try that. Oh, what's this liquor? Oh, scotch. Oh, I was just trying everything. By the time I was 20 years old, I wasn't even old. I'm an out full-fledged alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> We'd come in, and I, I'm only, like, 20 years old, and my boss was, like, this New York mafia kind of guy. Yeah. He'd come down, and it'd be me, and I look like I'm 12. I'm not even old to be there. I'm behind the bar. Yeah. And then there's um, the bartender, and he's like, all right, hey, let's get this night started. Three shots of Rumplemans. Remember Rumplemans? Three shots of Rumplemans. Uh, yeah. Let's get this party started. <laughs> you know, this is exactly Johnny Long. You ever met him? I think let's I remember Let's get this him. party started. Okay. And I'm like, uh, John, I'm not even old enough to drink. I don't really want to drink tonight. You don't drink, you're fired. Let's go. Get the kid a shot. Let's get it started. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's how we started our night with our boss. Wow. So, dude, and I realized, like, everybody in the club business, like Brent Bolthouse and all these really successful promoters, like, um, th- these other Pantera, young guys. Sarah. They're all, all sober. Yeah, they all are. Yeah. So they do. all promote the party. And I go, these are the most successful people. They're sober. So I really decided at that point that I need to quit booze. Or I'm a, I could die. Like, this seems yeah. dangerous like there's so much partying around me yeah so i was always a guy that would be sober and i would drive people around there'd be drugs around me and everything but i didn't even have another beer or sip of alcohol from from 21 to like 31 nothing yeah no i yeah, know you totally were always sober. hustling it and then i started comedy again when i was 31 in 99 30 i was about 30 and that's when i kind of started drinking a little bit again but then i never drank a lot but dude you said I, you give me credit for some stuff. And then you said another comic. You what say. other comic? You always Chappelle. Say, yeah, you always say Chappelle. Chappelle was a big reason why Dublin's took off, though. Yeah. You, you were the, one of the inspirations for me because I realized, like, dude, look what, G, like, you put that drive in me. Because I remember you saying you, you didn't go to the party. You know, you, you didn't, you know, you, you were working. I, I, I knew you were doing comedy, like, Every night of the week. Like, yeah. I'm on stage growing. What are you doing, bro? Part- you can't go to parties every night. It's not going to work. Yeah. So, no money. So man. that was really inspirational. And that's when I thought, you know, I got to do comedy. No one's going to book me. Let me build my own stage. And then I didn't even know about the comedy community until about four, three weeks after Dublin's. Then the whole community was like coming to me. 
So I, I like put myself smack dab in the middle of the community because there was a buzz around what we were doing. Yeah. And people like wanted to know me. So that was pretty cool. So I was always treated with high respect and people were really nice to me because I could help them get on a cool show too. And I really appreciated it. Then I just felt an acceptance that I hadn't felt since I moved to LA. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, there's mm-hmm. this community yeah. of people and they're out every night, but they're out for a purpose. They're not out for parties or to meet a chick they're here to grow and and have focus on something that could create money (laughs) you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're 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 good people they're artists yeah and it was exciting to be accepted into the community so i was really like that really made me feel whole and i'm like okay so i knew if i started a comedy night and booked it and I'm forced to do it at least once a week. And then that could turn into two times a week to three times a week. Cause when you first start, you don't realize you, you gotta be on stage every night. And if you're not on a stage, you better be near one. So it really enhanced me getting other gigs cause people wanted to do my show. So we could trade off some shows and then people would like offer me gigs. And that's kind of how I got, got going into comedy. But Chappelle really broke it open. Cause see, he was a guy that hung out at the sunset marquee hotel bar. Mm-hmm when I was working there. And, um, so I remember like you kind of always in the back of my mind, why I should be doing this consistently. Right. Seeing Jamie at the liquor locker, not going to a party. Right. Going like, okay. That's an inspiration, bro. I mean, a real inspiration. You're the first inspiration of anybody. I appreciate that. Dude, watching you shine weights to mm-hmm. see what you did, mm-hmm. you're my number one inspiration. The oh, first one of all, too nice. all comedians out there. I'm telling you the truth. Okay. Second biggest inspiration is, is Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. So I meet Dave Chappelle, coolest, most humble, nicest guy you could ever meet. Mm-hmm. And we would sit and have drinks with Slash until like four in the morning because I could keep the bar open late secretively. Yes. And we would just drink and, you know, he'd smoke a little weed. I didn't, but I'd give those guys drinks and I'd give slash rides home to Beverly Hills in my old, I used to have this 50s pickup hot rod truck. Yeah. And um, so I remember like, um, you know, the inspiration of you and like, I got to do comedy and like, how do I do it? So I thought, why not ask Dave Chappelle? Yeah. I'm like, it's a good person. I pull him aside. It's a late night. We're having, he goes, I go, Dave, what? What do you, how does how do I get like really going in comedy? Mm-hmm. He goes, "Hey man, you know what? You just got to get on stage and do that shit, man." Is that how he said it like this? Okay, just got to get on stage and do it. That was his advice. That's so I'm like, well, why don't I build a stage, right? Yeah. So that next week is when my friend was running Dublin's. Mm-hmm. We went and took a meeting there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we got the night, Tuesday nights, me and Ahmed Ahmed, because Ahmed knew comics. I didn't know him. Ahmed was already in the comedy community. Yeah. So we had met up and he was able to give me some good comics to book. And some weren't that good, but we just kind of fizzled through them. We, I'd keep put, putting the good ones back on. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, what happens is the waitress tells Dave like two weeks later that I started my own comedy night. And she, the, the bar opens at six. I don't get there till nine. I come in, she goes, hey, you're not going to believe this, but I told Dave Chappelle that you started your own comedy night at this Irish bar down the street, and he said that he wanted, he was, thought that was so cool, and that he wanted to talk to you, and he's outside having a cigarette, and he's waiting for you to get here, he wants to talk to you. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. And there's no one in the bar. It's oh, It's like a shit. couple of hotel guests, and he's out on the patio smoking. Okay. I go out there, and he's like, hey, man. 
<laughs> this is your Chappelle. So Susie told me that you started your own comedy night. <laughs> just last time I was in town, you asked me how to get into comedy. And I said, you just got to get on stage. Yeah. And you went and built your own stage? Yeah. I go, yeah, it's not a great Chappelle, but whatever. I go, uh, yeah, yeah, this double Irish pub. He goes, man, that's impressive. He goes, you know, I'm Dave Chappelle. I'm a pretty famous comedian, Dave Chappelle. And he goes, a lot of people come up to me and ask me, hey, Dave, how do I get into comedy? And I tell him, man, you just got to get on stage and do it. Just what I told you. No one ever does it. Not only are you doing it, I found out you built your own stage. Man, when's your night, Jay? I go, Tuesday, this Tuesday. He goes, I'm in town till Wednesday. Call all your friends. Tell them Dave Chappelle's doing 20. I'm like, what? He, he told me. So wait, so what? all your friends. Oh, shit. Because there's no texting or computers yeah, yet. Yeah, this is 99. Yeah. So, fuck yeah, dude. I called Slash. We got, we got all these people. Dave Chappelle's doing 20. Okay. We just, the place was packed. Like five, 400 people came out that night. Like, And sure enough. And the room only fits like 250. Yeah. Sure enough. Boom. He came in. He did 20. And crushed it. Blew the roof off the place. And at that time. Wow. Yeah. Then I come to find out later. Because then Dane Cook kind of became a big part of Dublin's. But he, talking to Dane later, Dane had told me, you know, coming in Boston. He started in Boston when he was doing Boston comedy, trying to get good. He had to do all these shitty bar shows to get good. And he goes, that's how he got good. But then he finally graduated from the bar shows, started doing clubs, then got out to L.A., got into the Laugh Factory as a regular. And that became his home club. But the Laugh Factory on a Tuesday and the Comedy Store on a Tuesday would have like six to eight people in yeah. the audience at that time. Uh-huh. Just like, that's it. There was like nobody in the audiences. Mm. And he kept hearing about, he said, I kept hearing about this Dublin's night. I'm like, but it's a bar like, I graduated from that shit. I don't do bar shows anymore. I'm Dane Cook. I'm doing these uh, big comedy clubs. And then I'm going to do, the, you know, he's planned it out. And then he said he wasn't going to do it. Everybody kept telling him, it's great. You got to do it. And he's like, nah, I'm not doing bar shows. Then he did tell me. But then I heard Dave Chappelle did it. And I thought, well, if Dave Chappelle did it, dude, 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 Dave Chappelle did it, dude, dude. If Dave Chappelle did it, dude, I should probably walk down there after my set at the Laugh Factory and do it, dude. You that, know. Is that your Dane? Yeah, it's my Dane. Hey, dude. Dude, I'm going to do the... I'm going to walk down there, dude. Check it out, dude. So wait. So they, <laughs> so, you were breaking out the impressions today, Jay. Yeah. Wait a minute. So so he told me... So this is one Tuesday night. was just jam-packed again. Every night from that But point. hold on. Before we get to Dane, because that's a whole other story. Chappelle just did it. Blew the roof off, mm -hmm. and then he he blessed you. He 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 was he was he, was he, he amazed like, how jammed it was. He was like, that's why I should. He was like Tony Soprano that, that just said, you know, put a sword on my shoulder and goes, "You're in, bro, dude." And I, I I that's really what he blessed the room. I remember hearing about he, that. He came in and blessed that room, bro, like Jesus, like. Of comedy, bro. If he did, like, that was the night that really turned Dublin into the most legendary place. Yeah. 
And so he does that. And, and then, then when after he does it, it, Dane's not the only one hearing about it. Everybody, everybody. You know how the community, like, Dave Chappelle went and did this room. And it was different because there's no social media. So we so would, we all literally, word of mouth back We would then. literally just hear it. There was no text. There was no phone calls. It was literally like at the taco stand. You were at Pink's Tacos mm-hmm. or uh, whatever. That taco place now, I forget what it is. but It was called Miyagi's back then. Yeah, and you're like, yo, Chappelle was across the street last night. Like, that's... So, hold on. So, you... What, after he does the set, what does he say to you? He's like, yeah, good room, man. <laughs> <laughs> he liked it. I liked it. Dude, did yeah. he ever come back? Yeah, he did. He, he would come back from time to time. Wow. And come do it. So, then Dane comes. So then, How long before after so Dane then, comes? So, basically... Then Dane's like, I heard Dave Chappelle, dude. So I was like, you know what, dude? I'm going to check this out, dude. And um, I didn't know Dane at all. And like again, I'm brand new. Like, I never watched Comedy Central. I never grew up watching, listening to records. or com- I just wasn't that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm ADHD mm-hmm. all my life. I just mm-hmm. never thought about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know who the hell anybody is. I'm just watching these guys. I'm literally booking everybody at that time. We'd have like 14 comics on. The guy's like, hey, I want to do your show. All right, what's your name? All right. And then I, they basically got one shot. Yeah. If they sucked, I never booked them again. Yeah. If they were freaking good, I'd rebook them. You yeah. know, that's just how I was getting to know the community. I was just, yeah. at that point, people were like, really? You're just going to book me? Yeah. You don't want to see a tape? I, I can't even watch anything. Who was so, one of your early bookings that you liked? Well, the two, uh, Alonzo Bowden was on the very first show, yep. and Darren Carter was on the very first show. Yep. And believe it, Sergio Love was on the very first show. Those three guys yep. crushed it. Yeah. And I go... I remember Sergio was in L.A. a lot back then. And see, I didn't know comics, and I don't know if it was good or whatever. And some of the other people just straight sucked. Do you right? want to name a name of somebody who sucked? I'll cut it out. Mm, there was curious. a guy that was a club promoter that wanted to learn comedy, too. I don't want to say his name, but he, he came all coked up. Do you want to he, say his he, name? He, he did. Pretty interesting. Nobody would know him. All right. And he was a big club promoter, so I thought it'd be good to have him. But he did help us put the deal together, which was great, because I didn't know how to do that. So you had, had done a, deals. You had, you had three amazing was, comics. You had Sergio, no, Darren, Alonzo. We probably had about five deal. other ones that weren't good. And this guy was came in, didn't bring one person. Me and Ahmed brought everybody yeah. for the first show. And Ahmed wanted to fight the guy. Yeah. Ahmed's like, dude, I, I'm going to beat this guy's ass, bro. If he comes up to me again, he's all coked up. I'm like, you know what bro. I like about Ahmed will still do that. Yeah. Ahmed will still punch somebody. And Ahmed and I got together and we both looked at each other and go, dude, this guy's done. I go, let's be thankful he's coked up and he didn't bring anybody and he just bombed so bad. Yeah. We're going to get rid We're at the end of the night. He's done, bro. He's yeah. not a part of this anymore. And so we just told him you're done, bro. You're not a part of it. And he, he was, he understood. I go, you were, you just didn't do the right thing. You know, yeah. So he was out, but then getting back to so then we just started booking everybody, and then Ahmed and I had just had a conversation, like because Ahmed's like I was basically he didn't want to book because he used to do a room at the state social no some other place a while ago, yeah. And uh, he's like, I don't really want to book. Comics are like crack; they're so hard to deal with. You do it. I'll just come do sets. I'm like, cool. Yeah. So, but he's like, dude, there's like way too many comics. We're booking like 14 to 15 comics. The show is just over way too much. Go, yeah, we got to cut it down, bro. Yeah. And this next Tuesday, we cut it down. And Alonzo and I just put like really less is more kind of thing. Just the good comics. Alonzo, Darren. Alonzo. So basically, I came to Alonzo and Darren after that first show. And I go, guys, 
this is brand new. Could you come every week for a while as we build this up? Because at least I know I got two great comics that'll be here. Yeah. And I go, do you mind closing? You close, because Alonzo closed the very first show. Yeah. And just destroyed. It. Yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man, I'll be your, I'll be your closer every week. No problem. Mm-hmm. I go, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. I have fun. This is great. So those guys really helped. And then, um, so this was the night we decided we were only going to have like seven comics. That's it. Because it's just too many. And then Dane comes in. Mm-hmm. And Dane tells me, he goes, so I'm walking over there only because Dave Chappelle did it. And dude, I'm walking up the stairs, dude. And I felt an energy already, dude, just in the stairwell, dude. I'm like, there's something magical going on here, dude. Mm-hmm. I feel it coming from the upstairs. Okay. And he goes, I walked up the stairs and I was like, dude, this is amazing. dude." <laughs> he's like, I'm glad I came here. And he goes, he walked up to me and he's like, are you Jay, dude? I go, yeah, he goes, Dane Cook. I'm doing some pretty good stuff right now, dude. I'm on Comedy Central, dude. I got my own special coming out. Anyway, I can get up Yeah, for seven minutes, dude. Or something like that. You're and really I, working on your Dane. Yeah, okay. it's got to get better. Okay. But uh, I'm like, yeah, man, I'd love to have you. But we just had a conversation that we have too many comics. I go, I'm sure you're great. I don't know who you are, but I'm sure you're great. Why don't we do it next week? I don't know, dude. You should probably put me up tonight, dude. <laughs> I'd really like to, he wouldn't take no for an answer, right? I'm like, I just think we'd wait, right? And I go, nah, not tonight, man. Let's do next week, right? So I tell Dane, no. And then he just kind of walks off, you know, I don't really, I don't know him at all. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I go back and then all of a sudden Alonzo Bowden comes over. He's like, Hey man, this Dane cook is really funny, man. You might want to put him on. I go, Alonzo, I'm sure he is, but we got too many comics. I, I just can't like, we we're, 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 this is way too long. This show's going way too long. And I need you to do your, you know, your time. He goes, I'll take my time in half. Give him half my time. You should put him on. I go, Alonzo. I want you to do your full time because I've already seen you. You're the best. I don't want you to cut your time. Uh-huh. He's like, but I really think you should get this guy on. I go, I don't know, man. And then all of a sudden, Med comes over. Just talk to Alonzo. You should probably put this Dane Cook on. They're saying you should put him on. I'm like, I don't want. And then all of a sudden, Dane's like right in my face. Like, dude, just give me seven minutes, dude. Seven minutes, bro. That's all I want is seven minutes, dude. <laughs> I'm like, oh man! I look at him like he's like, like, dude, seven minutes, dude, seven minutes. He's got the tank top and the hat at that time. Yeah, and he's like, dude, he's like, he was like, I want to go on that stage. Yeah, I go, all right, dude, but seven minutes. (laughs) And he goes, okay, dude, ready to eat the stage. Yeah, he went on that stage, (laughs) bro. I'm sitting in the, the place is just you. You know it's like, like yeah. It holds 200. There's 500 people in there. Okay, yeah. it's just fuck. I'm sitting down. This guy goes on within 10 seconds. I'm laughing harder than I've ever laughed in my life. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god. Like I'm like, this guy's better than Robin Williams. Like who is this guy? Right? Yeah. I mean, he was like off the cusp. He was ripping it. Ripping. He's looking at his watch. He's ripping it at six. You know, literally, I'm going in my mind. I'm like, dude, I hope this guy stays on for like 20 minutes. Like, yeah, I don't want him to get off. I mean, I'm falling over the place. The it's like the roof. I've never seen someone crush a room that I've never seen that in my life. Right? Yeah. I'm like, this has to be the best comedian going. Like, I can't believe how funny this guy is. Right? He's got his baseball cap. You know, he's got it all brimmed up. Literally, six fifty nine. He's like, thank you very much. I'm Dane Cook. <laughs> and then he walks like a Jedi 
He he looks at me as he's getting off. He's looking right at me. I'm like five, like ten rows back. Yeah. Right? And he's looking at me, Dan Cook. And he's looking at me like he knows he just destroyed. Right. Yeah. Dan Cook, thank you very much. And then he walks straight at me, just straight at me. And I'm looking at him like like I'm just like in awe. Like I gotta know this guy. Like this this dude is the best I've ever seen. Like I yeah. I'm like I'm feeling bad that yeah. I even told him no. Yeah. And he just walks right up to me with that intense look, and he goes, seven minutes, dude. Six fifty nine, bro." And I'm like, "Ugh!" And then he just walked away from me. Just walked away. <laughs> and I'm like, "Should I follow him? Like, I got to get to know this guy. Like, I want him to like. He needs to come back, right? Yeah. So then he's just walking back to the bar, like, "Oh, cocky." <laughs> I walk up to the bar next to him, and he's like talking to a girl already, right? And I'm yeah. like, excuse me, excuse me. Um, do you want to come back? <laughs> Can I get your numbers? He goes, I might come back, dude. I might. I might just come back. And I'm like, that's it. Can I get your and they just kind of blew me off. I'm like, ah, oh, dude. I think I messed up with that guy. And then the, the next night, about 10 o'clock. Well, you fucking made him wait. You made him fucking Lonzo and fucking Amanda. Get him on. Cause yeah. So and, wait, so and, what happens? And then, so the very next Tuesday... I'm like, man, I, don't even, I wish that guy would come. Sure enough, it's a packed night. <laughs> and it was like the the parting of the Red Sea. Yeah. I look up and here he comes. Just He's looking right at me again with that same focused look. And he goes, he walks straight at me. He goes, can I go on, dude? I go, you're next. He goes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just crushed. But then when I realized, when, I after I got to know Dane. I love this relationship. After yeah, I got no, to know dude. Dane, anytime I ever asked him something, I'd always be like, no, dude, really can't do that, bro. You know, like, hey, you, my friend wrote this script. Do you mind reading it? I'm not really interested, dude. Maybe have him send it to my agent, dude. You know, it, like, you know that movie, um, what's the one? They put the, my friends wrote and directed this movies. It became three movies. And it was that, that. English guy Jason. It was kind of like speed, but it was in, internal in the in the body. Star Wars. No. Three movies. It's a movie. Uh, Shoot. What's that guy's name? Jason. He's like the born. No. Uh, I'm sure someone listening probably knows already. It's like Jason Statham. Statham. He didn't write him. You know, his first. No, he starred in this movie, but they wanted Dane for that part. Transporter. No, it's another one before that. It uh, became three movies, like. It's kind of uh, like snatched. Like, no. Uh, Fast and Furious. No. Somebody, uh, somebody watching already knows it, and this isn't on. live, so we can't get a wait. call. Uh, hold on. We could Google it. No, wait. Uh, <sighs> the transporter. No, it's kind of like the movie Speed, but in the body, and he had to, like someone was going to die if he doesn't keep his adrenaline up. Speed body. I don't remember. But Dude, anyway, what is the name of this movie? I forgot. Jason Statham. Yeah, has and a movie. There was three of them. That was one, and they made three of them. I know what you're talking about. I don't want to look it up. Wait a minute. But I know your listeners. There's got to be a few now that's already known it, but we're not live, so. What is it? Can't remember. Dane was up. No, but they wanted, and he, and he never read. I, or maybe he's like, you know. Wait a minute. Hold on. Jason Statham movie. And it was his first movie, I think. Jason Statham. It made him a star. Jason Statham. But anyway, my whole point of this is, if you tell Dane no, he'll do it. <laughs> but don't, don't ask. Well, that's on <laughs> Transporter. Nope. That's not the name of it, bro. The bank job. Nope. 
It's before all that. Crank. Crank! That's it. Crank? It's crank. Yeah. Crank. There's only two cranks. No, crank. They made three cranks. Crank. No, crank. I thought there was three cranks. Crank high voltage. Yeah, there, or maybe there's only two, but I thought and there was three. There's two cranks. But anyway. So wait a minute. So they wanted Dane for crank? Yeah. And they saw him at Dublin's. Wow. Yeah. And so. Those guys used to hang out with me. Who were they? The producers? Mark. Yeah. Let's see. Um, Brian and Mark. Mark is that true, Dane? Dane? Dane. If he watches this. So hold on. He might not remember, but so I wait, tried to give him the you script. You tried to give him the script for yeah. Crank. Yeah, they wanted, they, we really want Dane to play this part. Can you get him a script? And I gave and it. And so was, were they, was the They're movie like, set Did he read it? Did he read it? I'm like, you read it? He's like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. Were they independent gotta, producers? It was a, they were nobodies at the time. They hadn't made a movie yet. So I understand why Dane probably wouldn't want to do it but did the movie get set up in a studio didn't it it ended up yeah becoming a big hit and those guys became big directors wow yeah and does dane know about this i'd probably he will now I'll remind <laughs> him. Oh, Jesus I'm sure he will now. but i gave you that script dane you should have read it he was up for crank yeah they wanted him to play the jason straight wow. part i'm telling you yeah because he's physical yeah he could have been but action. you know this guy was dude he was so big. He was doing stadiums, I think, at that time already. So it was probably hard to get him, get him something. Wait a minute. This was no. This is before stadiums. This was at yeah, probably right before it. So the second week, Dane comes in. He kills. So basically, you're saying Jamie Kennedy inspired Carlos and Charlie's. Um. Yep. And then Dave Chappelle, Chappelle blessed but, it, but then Dane kept it on the map. And then Dane, Dane, like forget about it. Like it was made like it his own. Yeah. Wow. The Dane is a three prong system. <laughs> Yeah, so it was uh, the three- Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, but we can't, hey, you got to keep, I got to keep Alonzo Bowden and Darren Carter yep. and Ahmed Ahmed. Yeah. I mean, they're big parts of it. You Part know? of this I team. Mean, so now it became yeah. a three-headed monster to but, a- But, but f- for me, those three comics really, you, mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle, Dane Cook, right? Yeah. Too bad your initials aren't a DC. Because that's Dave Chappelle, Dave, Dave Cook, Cook. Yeah, I know. And you're Fucked JK. Up. I know. Just kidding. Just kidding. I that's good, though. I like that. But but yeah, it was it was the three. You guys were the biggest real inspiration. And, and then Alonzo was a big. And Ahmed Ahmed. I mean, come on. Without those guys, yeah. it would have never been as successful as it was. I mean, it took a team. And you know, no, I just and happened Darren to be Carter. a part of it. But you were probably the biggest inspiration of that coming together because you inspired me to get off my ass and start working basically. No, so but, that's true. And then I ran into, then I had this really crazy, I'm in the bar one night on a Sunday night. I'm depressed. I'm like, you know, there's all these drinking and drugs. I mean, I'm not even drinking at all or nothing. Not even drugs. And so when you're just sober around drunks all the time, it, it's annoying. Big time. Like I don't, and I'm paid. I have to be here. So I'm like, all these drunks want to talk about. I'm just walking around picking up glasses. So I don't have to talk to anybody. What was you this? Know? Was this at the, at the uh, sunset marquee? Yeah. And so I'm sitting on this couch and it was like, God reached down and goes, you know, I felt like a lightning strike me. And I had this inspiration, like Jamie, you were part of that inspiration. Like, look at what he did. He was on stage all the time. If you start your own night, like all this is, all this is coming to me from like, I felt like God touched me with like a lightning is talking to me. Yeah. You know, when they say you can hear God talk, you can't really hear God talk, but you feel it. It's like you it's almost like an internal, like he's talking to you without talking to you. Yeah. That's what was happening. Yeah. But you were in that talk. Okay. This is like, dude, think what that guy did. Imagine if you did your own night and you started your own night, get out of this crap and you build a stage. 
they will come, you know, like like that movie, the baseball movie, you know, build it, they will come. And I'm like having this inspirational feeling. And a year prior, I had met this guy named Ahmed Ahmed when I was bartending at the Opium Den. And he was yep. running a little shitty comedy night at one of these little bars just down the street yep. from Sunset. And he used to always invite me to that. And I never went. I want to say it was the cat house. It was kind of, it was like, it was a little place by the pet place. shop. Yeah. yeah. And... And he kept saying, every time he'd come into the open den, you should come down, bro. Try your comedy. And I'd drive by and always think about that. So this night, I, the only comic I ever met who was really nice to me was a met met. And he would always beg me to come down and try comedy his night. He was going to put me up, even though I never did it. He was going to give me a shot. Nice guy. You know, who does that? And I don't even know him personally that well. I just know he hangs out with like this Vince Vaughn guy and these other guys. And they were pretty cool. And then, so the night that I have that epiphany... The second the epiphany goes away, like, you need to, like, I, I forgot about Ahmed even. Like, I, I think I got to start my own night. I stand up. Vince Vaughn turns the corner, and Ahmed Ahmed is right next to him, coming into the bar. The second, and I'm like, that's so crazy. Wow. There's that guy, Ahmed. Wow. And I run up to him, like, dude, this is crazy. I'm, like, ignoring the movie star, uh, Vince Vaughn. I'm like, dude, Ahmed. I just wow. had this epiphany, literally, this, 10 seconds ago. I stood up, and there you were. I'm just thinking I got to start a comedy night. He's like, oh, hold up, bro. It's really hard to start a comedy night. I'm like, no, dude, we got to do it. We got to do it. He like, I don't think you know, I don't want to book another room like that. It's so difficult. I go, I'll book it. Just help me bring the comics in. He's like, dude, simmer down, simmer down. I don't know if I want to do it. And then we hung out that night and talked about it. And he goes, oh, let's go look at places. The first place we looked at was the Hollywood Roosevelt. I always thought that would be cool. There was a bar there. Yeah. Not the one downstairs, but there was another bar. And it didn't really work. And then we went and met with my buddy, my buddy who ran Dublin's. And I was friends with the owners because they were security back in the day at the Roxbury. So I knew those owners. And that's why that Tuesday night. Came. And then I didn't realize Tuesday was going to be the best night to do comedy. But I still worked in the bar business. And that was my only night off. And it became this epic night for comedy. In L.A. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of how it came went, together. It, <clears throat> thinking of all the players that come through that people know now. Like, think about it. Dude, everybody was doing that room. Oh, dude. Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah. Bobby Lee. Oh, yeah. Um, Lisa Lampanelli. Mm-hmm. The, she was, the clubs weren't even booking her in L.A. She would go to Dublin's. Lisa Lampanelli. Um, yeah. Alonzo Bowden. Um, Ralphie May. God bless his soul. Um, Mitch Mullaney, God bless his soul. He was a big part of Dublin. Remember Mitch Mullaney? Yes. He would yes. come in and just crush. Yes. Dude, Faison Love. Um, dude, so many great comics. Every, Tommy Davidson. Dude. I mean, everybody was doing it. And then I remember Dice Clay coming down one night. Pulled up in like a $350,000 Bentley to do my show for free. Andrew Dice Clay. And I remember, like, I was being kind of a funny... I thought I was being funny. Yeah. We had this little back side area by the stairs that was kind of our green room where we would hang out. Yeah. And here comes Dice Clay. He walks in and goes, you Jay? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you think I can go on? I go, yeah. Do you mind... How much time you want me to do? I go, you mind doing five minutes? But I was only joking. <laughs> and he went, five minutes? I'm Dice Clay! <laughs> I go, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> five minutes? You believe this fucking guy? Five minutes? <laughs> Five minutes. Uh, I go. I'm told, I was joking. I swear, I was joking. You uh, could do an hour. 
I go, do whatever you want. But I, I, pulled, I made him so mad. I go, but do you mind doing just five minutes? And he got so mad. Yeah, I just want to hear that. I did. I did that. But he knew. But I go, dude, I'm seriously good. He got so uh, mad. I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I go, that joke didn't go well. I go, I was totally kidding, bro. I thought it was a funny idea to tell a guy just pulled into a place for, you know, I couldn't call your agent, you know, about five minutes. It's like, I just pulled it in a Bentley in five minutes. <laughs> so I'm wow. like, I'm like, I was kidding. I was kidding. Dude, do a fucking hour. You know how much time did he do? He did about an hour. He crushed it. Wow. Yeah, and he did like all his like grade A stuff because he had to follow like Dane. No one knew Dane that well yet because he wasn't a comedy store guy. See, Dice was a comedy store guy, so Dane was crushing. He's like, "Who's this kid? Who's this kid?" You know? Yeah. And they became good buddies. Yeah, Dice really likes Dane, and Dane, uh, vice versa, loves Dice. They, 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 Dice gave Dane a lot of. Uh, a lot of um, advice when he started doing the stadiums and stuff because Dice was the first stadium comedian, really. Him and Steve Martin prior to that. It was Steve, Eddie, <clears throat> then Eddie, Dice. and then Eddie. Yeah, yeah, and then Dane. Yeah, Those just things. crazy. And there was another night. My friend Rusty Dooley, uh, he he was there, and he's he's like, and I I, I didn't realize it. Like I'm I'm just a guy from the Sunset Strip running on the night, you know? Uh-huh. And he's like, dude, Roseanne Barr's looking for you. I'm like, what? When? Yeah. Dude, when? This is like 2004. Okay. I'm like, Roseanne Barr's here? <laughs> he's like, yeah, she's asking for you. I'm like, fuck, I don't know Roseanne Barr. You're lying. I go, you're full of shit. He goes, dude, I'm serious. Okay. Roseanne Barr's here. Okay. And she's asking where you're at. <laughs> she's like, do you know Jay Davis? Where's Jay Davis? I'm like, fucking. I'm Jay. like, dude. Yeah. I'm like, Roseanne Barr. And at the time, I had this really blonde, spiky hair. Remember I had that blonde, spiky surfer hair? Yeah, I did, man. And uh, so I've, I've got my hair, and I go up, and I'm like, I'm starstruck. Like, fucking Roseanne Barr, dude, wants to do Dublins? I'm like, really? I'm like, she goes, hi, are you Jay? I'm like, yeah. She goes, Jay Davis? I'm like, yeah. She goes, oh, it's a cool room. It's so cool. Wow, it's cool. And then she's like, like she's like ADD. She's like ADD like me. I'm like, so she's looking at, she's looking at me. She's going, yeah, I like your room. Um, oh, that's cool hair. Like your hair's cool. It's Mm -hmm. a blonde spike. Is that natural? Do you dye it? I go, yeah, guy light it. You know, it's not how guy lights you. What do you think I'd look like with short, spiky blonde hair? Would that be cool? Mm -hmm. Would that be cool? You think it'd be cool if I did that to my hair? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, it'd be cool. You could do it. She goes, can I go on? I'm like, yeah. So I put her on. She came the next week with spiky blonde hair. No. I swear, bro. No. I swear. God's honest truth. Yeah. Wow. So I inspired a hairdo for Roseanne. How many times did Roseanne do it? She probably did it about four times. She actually was the last comedian to perform there. She was the last comedian on stage at, at Dublin. It went from when to when? I remember. End of 99 to 2004. Around 2004. I, yeah, I did it, I think, like 2000 a couple times. And the only reason why it closed was there was some, the city shut it down over some bullshit, you know, some issues, government issues. Like they didn't, you know what it was? They didn't have a dance license. It's like footloose. You got to have a dance Dude. license. And we would always break down all the tables and chairs and have a DJ crash. It yeah. was also a big part of DJ crash. Uh, yeah. He was just already there DJing. Right. But he became one of my best friends and his music, he would put them. I never had that idea. It just kind of 
kind of naturally came together with this DJ. And he's like, let me play music. And he loved the comedy. Good guy. And he, he put his love into it, too. So, yeah, DJ Crash is a big reason for our success as well. I got to give him some credit. And um, Dude, think about this. So, boom. DJ Crash was there, and, and then we'd break down. So we did this comedy show, and then it'd become a freaking party after, bro. Everybody's I dancing. Remember. I mean, the most hottest girls and celebrities. Like, it was like A-list celebrities in there. Yeah. Dude. Shaq would be there. <laughs> Dude, like Matthew Bruce McConaughey would be sitting at the bar by himself. would be there. Bruce Willis would have a hat in the Bruce back of the Willis room. Bruce Willis would be there. It's crazy. Dude, I crazy. remember this... <clears throat> But what's crazy you're saying was how it was had started with me and then Dave and then Dane, but then your other people, Alonzo, who is his own legend, and Darren, who's his own legend, mm-hmm. and then like you said, Lisa Lampanelli, and then all these people. So I mean, the room was built. Sebastian Maniscalco would do it. I mean, Ahmed. I got a Sebastian story. I want to go ahead and tell it on your I'm your scared. podcast. Go ahead, because he mentioned me and Ahmed in his book. And there was a time... What's his book? He's got a book out. Oh, okay. I, I only read the page with my name on it. I feel bad. It happens. But um, someone told me it was in there. I thought that was pretty cool that we were mentioned. But he was like saying how he was trying to get into an Irish pub to do comedy and couldn't get booked, right? And I remember I didn't know comedy at all, right? And I was booking yeah. it. And Ahmed was trying to get Sebastian booked, right? He wanted to get him in. He's like, dude, you got to book this Sebastian guy. I'm like, well, let me go check him out. So... It was a late night at the comedy store. And, you know, you got to do those late night spots. Yeah. And Sebastian was on, like, last. This was before, like, he was... And he was probably working new material. There's, like, five people in the room. And I snuck into where Mitzi sits. This is early. No, this is early in his career. way early. He's still waiting tables at uh, the Four Seasons at the time. And he would, you know, wear his tuxedo and leave to uh, to go do comedy and go back to work. It's pretty incredible, his story. Wow. But... I I didn't know him. I didn't know comedy, you know? I didn't even know the community. So I didn't know how it worked. Yeah. I didn't even know how comedy worked, you know? And so I don't realize he's probably doing new material late night, and he didn't have a great set the night I saw him, and I thought he wasn't that good. I'm like, but probably if he knew I was there, he probably would have brought his A game, you know? Like, he didn't know I was even there. Yeah. <clears throat> and so that's kind of why there was a hold on booking Sebastian, and then Ahmed finally is like, dude, we got to book this guy. He's a great comic. Trust me. Because co- Ahmed was more in the comedy store at the time, and I wasn't. Yeah. So um, so finally, you know, Ahmed pushed to book him, and fucking guy crushed, like, you know, right away. Like, another guy, like, wow, this was amazing. Like, yeah. A game just crushed. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this guy, he's come here anytime, you know, after that. So I apologize, Sebastian, for not booking you earlier. Are so, you guys? But that's a true story. Are you guys? Have, I realized that after. Do you have beef? Reading his, no, I love Sebastian. Is, Man, it's if he sees you, does he give you a dirty look? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. He's always been nothing but kind to me. Always oh. a nice guy. You made him wait, though. Well, I, pr- pr- a lot you of comics. You made him wait. Yeah. You made him wait at the fucking Irish pub. Yep. So, sorry, buddy. But he came in and crushed. Dude, you had so many killers. So hold on. So after 04, <clears throat> it cancels. Yeah, because they didn't have a dance license. They didn't like them dancing to hip-hop up there. They didn't like the dancing. And they, they, they had a manager at the time who went down to the city council, which it's, it's all gay guys down there in West Hollywood, the city council, right? 
They're not messing around, bro. Yeah. They don't mess around. Yeah. And I only know this because one night I met the city councilman. Yeah. At the Sunset Marquee. He's like, I'm the city councilman for West Hollywood. And then somehow he brought up Dublin's. I heard him talk about Dublin's. I go, what happened at Dublin's? He goes, I'll tell you what happened at Dublin's. I'll tell you right now. Okay. I'm on the city council and I go down there and they have the goal to send their manager down to the city council. And you know what he said? What? He said, we're going to continue paying your fines. Keep billing us for dancing because we make more money dancing, paying your fines. So we're going to continue dancing. Go ahead and continue continue billing us and, and giving us tickets. We're just going to pay your tickets and keep on dancing. Well, I went, no, you're not. And they just started finding shit wrong. What the fuck? Yeah. Wait. They started nitpicking and finding shit wrong with Dublin's until they shut them down, bro. Wait, wait. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. Why did Dublin's get shut down? Because the guy they was were dancing. dancing. Who was dancing? You're not allowed to dance in certain bars if you don't have a dance license. And they didn't so have a dance license. This is the, some government bullshit, why bro. Didn't they pay, why didn't they pay the dance license? Because they're not. You, they just wouldn't give them to you. You can't get it. It's the, the city, you have to apply. You got to pay like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So why didn't you it's stop? ridiculous, why, bro. Why didn't you Some of this stuff is grandfathered into these venues. Why didn't you stop the dancing? Well, like the mayor said, like, we make too much money with the dancing. We're not going to stop it. So he would just I, pay the fine. I wasn't the manager there, bro. So I would have stopped the dancing because I'm just doing comedy anyway. We don't need to dance. On so the night. guy in the city council was the guy who says we're going to fine you. Well, no, the manager went down there Who in front was of the, the whole gay city. Guy? He's one of the city council guys. I met him. And he was mad. He said he at didn't the like it. Yeah, telling them, Oh, you think you're just gonna pay our fines and keep dancing? You don't think that's gonna cause a problem? But gay guys yeah. love dancing. Not at that club they didn't. Wow. Yep. So hold on. Yeah. <laughs> they fucking came down hard on these guys. I mean, they shut them down at midnight. They took their liquor license away and it was over. They locked the doors on them Wednesday morning. The next day after my, the last night, we had 600 people in that room. What the last you? night. That sucked, dude. It was horrific. Cause I'm like, I can't do this in another room, but we did. What did the place become after? Because the place nothing, now is a weird nothing. front. Some idiot from like up northern California thought he could just come to the Sunset Strip, buy an old club. That Now their liquor license closes at midnight because it comes with it. And he's going to just remodel it to look the no. worst it's ever looked. He it, ruined the place. They, dude, they, they it, tore my comedy room apart. Don't do it. It looks like a I was fucking, so mad. It looks like a corporate. Like, it looks like a sailboat. Yeah, it looks like a sailboat. I'm like, what is this crap? What a loser. But the worst thing is they tore the comedy room out. They made the like a room they was, tore the room you out. You go into the left. This idiot. It was by the front, by the glass. So it was like two stories, like but, separate. But it was this lower. This guy made a giant. It? Like he tore the walls out of it. Hold on. The comedy room was to the left, right? The, no, you'd come in and walk up the stairs to the comedy room. It was upstairs. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I remember that. And it was separate. This idiot opened up all the walls. So what is it now? Nothing. It it never. It, it was called the, like the sunset room or something. But dude, or no, sunset, one, it, no, not sunset. Room, something else. It's empty. It, it went out of business immediately. But what is it? Now it's an it's empty like building. office building or something. There's not even a liquor license there. It's unbelievable. But it's on prime location. It's so sad. It was such a hot spot. Do you think that the glory of Hollywood is done? <sighs> I tell you what, man. It sure has been. Because let this me past year has been. Let me explain this. Bad. Let, 
so bad. <laughs> it's hold so on. bad, bro. Hold, hold on. It's like, hold on. Let how me get long my... are we going to blame this on a virus? I mean, come hold, on. How long? Hollywood is hold, burning, baby. Hold on. Jeez. Because if, if you think about it, before the shutdown, the, you know, the store and the factory were some of the hottest places on the strip. But back when we were doing this, it was Dublin's for five years. It was it was the Roxbury into Miyagi's. Right, Miyagi's. It was Sushi on Sunset. It was the St. James Club, which eventually became the Argyle. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Saddle Ranch, which, which was hot for us, but then got hot. It was dead. Now it got hot again with mm-hmm. TikTokers. It was... The store wasn't as hot, and it was the whiskey bar. The Sunset Marquis. The Sunset Marquis and the Chateau uh, Marmont. Marmont. But here, I'm going to say one last thing, and then I'm going to ask you about this. Here's what's so crazy. I'm writing a script. I see you at Liquor Locker. Boom, boom. You want to talk about science and all these fucking touched mental moments? Mm -hmm. You invite me to some party. I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, I got to finish the script. And go and meet my buddy, my writing partner, who was Scott Khan. We go, we write his script. A week later, I go and take a meeting to get an actor attached, me and Scotty. Because it was getting some traction. <clears throat> Where do I go? The Sunset Marquee. Wow. And who do I go to meet? Mickey Rourke. <laughs> we got Mickey really interested. He's got his two little dogs. Dude. I had never been there before, but I'd heard all about it because I was just did a movie Three Kings, and I know George Clooney used to go there a lot. Yeah, I met everybody yeah, at that you, spot, bro. I got stories from that spot that will I, blow your mind. I want to ask you one, but then <clears throat> we were, Mickey was really interested, and the movie was five days away from being started shooting, and then we lost our funding. Ugh, life is different, and it's never going back, bro. It's over because of this. Unless unless people get smart and we stop the phones. It's a it's like a sick I'm addicted to my phone, I'm bro. Addicted. The first thing I do is look at my phone when I wake up. It's it's you shouldn't. We're addicted. But we gotta stop as a society. We yeah. gotta come to a point. Maybe just go back to the regular phones. Tom can't. Green went and got the regular flip phone again. He's a genius. I can't yeah. you know, he's out in a van right now somewhere, you know, like he's a genius. Yeah. We have to, as a society, stop letting social media control our lives. Mm. Stop letting any media control our lives. I think it's ruined Hollywood. Mm. Social media has ruined movies. Yeah. Soap operas are done. Not that I ever liked them. What's wrong soap, with soap operas? What's wrong with Days soap? of Our Lives is canceled. Fifty six years on television. Why? Because horny housewives are on freaking OnlyFans. What? They're on social media. What? They don't watch soaps anymore, like the good old days. Hold on. They're what? out there on Facebook talking to people. OnlyFans got. I'm just joking about the OnlyFans. I don't know about that. I'm just fed. I'd never joined the OnlyFans. But I wouldn't. Everything's free. Anyway, why is porn free? That's another thing that I can't figure out. Here they're canceling Mr. Potato Head and Pepe Le Blue or whatever his name is. Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, but porn is free. All right, figure that one out. Dude, you're done with it. Yeah, it's it's just... What are you going to do? I, you can't I, I think maybe I have to start with me just getting a flip phone and stop. But, you know, then then I got... <laughs> here's where you get you. It does help my promotions. <laughs> You know, when I'm promoting shows. It does. But I did deactivate Twitter, whether it helps me or not, because I was sick of it. Why? You're fighting with people? 
No, just they, they force bullshit on you that I don't really want to look at. Like, you, so whatever somebody else likes, it pops up on my page. And I don't really care to see that. And it's just negative. Too much negativity. You you uh, you said you, you silenced the president, so you are yeah. You are a big supporter of that president. I sure am. And you're not scared to tell it. To nope, Hollywood. not anymore. <laughs> I can't get a fucking job anyway. Think I give a shit? I love Donald Trump. All right, go fuck yourself. Seriously, I love Donald Trump, okay? I'm a fan. I was a fan when he was on This Apprentice. Yeah, you like This He's Apprentice. Fucking great. That's why I started liking him. This Apprentice. I couldn't even believe what a great president he turned out to be. Between, you said He was amazing. You said this, I made the most money in my life when he was the president. Wait, you said This Apprentice, Sopranos and The Apprentice. Yeah, whatever, The Apprentice. Wait, hold on. How did you make money off Trump on The well, Apprentice? When he was in office, I was doing well successfully. Oh, I was successful. Stock, stock market's still doing good, though. I don't give a shit about that at this point. <laughs> so has anyone, Bitcoin and Dodge and all this bullshit. You gotta get the doggy. Uh, has anyone has anyone not been your uh, friend because you liked uh, Trumpy? You know, I still have friends <laughs> that hate Trump. <laughs> I just honest with them. Like I break, we break balls. They break my. One of my best friends is worked for the Obamas. He worked for. So that's good. That he you worked guys for the friends. Clintons. We we just had a steak the other night, and you know we had a bet. Actually, I lost a bet to that asshole. I mean, oh, we bet Jesus. on the president. I go, it's Trump's going to win in the landslide, bro. Yeah. And he's like, not going to happen, bro, Biden. I'm like, Pfft. he goes, we want to bet a Mastro's steak dinner? I go, add a lobster tail. Let's do it. And it uh, cost me <sighs> about 250 bucks, but we had a great steak dinner. I go, dude, you know, here's the deal. He got cheated, period. Got cheated out. Whether you believe it or not, you're telling me this fucking Biden got more votes than Obama? You guys are, I got to tell you, you're really stupid if you think that guy got legal votes more than Donald Trump. It's not happening. And they're doing a recount. Good luck with that. I believe, I really believe this dude is coming back. I believe he's coming back and he's going to save America and make it great again. And I don't care if you hate me, you want to call me a racist. I'm not a racist, okay? No. I, I'm, I'm a good guy. Misogynist. Yeah. But I really believe this dude, one of the last things he says is the best is yet to come. I believe him. I believe oh, the see, I best get, is yet to I come. I got to get somebody who's like, uh, I believe it, who like loves Biden. Like I got to get Ben Glebe on here <laughs> to encounter nah, that. It's just a waste. Saying. That's a waste of time. That's no. a waste of time. <laughs> no, he's good. I have no interest in talking to Ben Glebe. No, I have to have opposite opinions. Here. Good. We'll have him on separately. <laughs> okay. Show him this and then we'll do it from a distance. I don't even want to be near that guy. Well, he's a great guy. <laughs> he's a great guy, but I don't feel like talking politics with these dudes, bro. Okay. It's just not worth it. Okay. Here's the deal. Okay. I feel it. I like it. Yes. Leave me alone. Okay. I'm not trying to like get in a fight over it. These people want to fight me because I love Trump. You think Trumpy's coming back? I believe it. Why? I did, that's the rumor, by the way, in the uh, dark corners of the internet. I believe he's coming back. When do you think he's coming back? I say he comes back maybe 2022 sometime. Oh, how's, if, he, if, what, how's he coming back? If they don't back? assassinate his poor... Jesus I mean, Christ, I don't say that. Well, he... I mean, who knows? I mean, there's so much hate against that poor guy. But what do you think he, how do you think he's coming back? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think they're going to prove that these elections were fraudulent. That's, that, that's also the rumor. I think that's what's happening. Deep and I think that eye. once these elections are fraudulent yeah. and it's proven, yeah. people are going to wake up a little bit and realize that, you know what? I hate to think about it, but this Biden guy, I doubt that he got that many votes. 
What I, do you want to do? What do I want to do? Because you're the. How are you the biggest promoter? How do you promote? You were back in the day. You were flyers, dude. I've been living the streets of Hollywood since I was eighteen. I know. I was so running. You know me. I'm running the streets, bro. Up what? and down, up and down. I know. I met all these people. I collect phone freaking numbers. me out with the fucking swab now. No, don't even. Dude, you're you a bit of a hypochondriac. So many tests. Don't. Three. That's a lot. Jesus. I don't think I'm going to get any more, though. Dude, so what are you going to do? Are you going to do shows again? Yeah, I will do shows again. And um, uh, right now, I was going to do an outdoor show. But see, I don't like... I really got to be honest here. I don't think this new way of life is good for stand-up comedy. Mm. Because everyone's scared. Yeah. Everyone's scared to catch something. Yep. Everyone's scared of another human being. Yep. Everyone's scared of what they can and can't say. Uh huh. And when fear is around, yep. There's no fun to be had. Yeah, I know. And I think if you want to have fun, you can't have fear. Now, I don't have fear because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm <laughs> oh, over the last year, I'm going to get closer to God. Oh, How God. about that? I know you're an atheist. I don't care. I'm not an atheist. I'm going straight up Jesus. <laughs> you know what? Deep down, God. they want to kill Jesus again. Oh, He's still alive in my heart. <laughs> I got an immune system. Hold on. And I am you going straight Jesus, this. bro. You, you just, a Jesus I've freak. already won. A I'm Jesus victorious. Freak. You can't cancel a guy who has Jesus in his heart. Dude. I've already won, Hold bro. Hold on. You just became a Jesus freak. Yeah, I am. When did you become I'm going to become freak? a bigger and bigger Jesus freak, too. When did you become a Jesus freak? Listen, I've had my problems. I've made my mistakes, and I'm still making mistakes. But you know what? Thank God Jesus Hold came on. and died on the cross for me and you right. and everybody, whether Jay, you believe in him or on. not. The listenership is going down when you start preaching. I didn't know you were a Jesus freak. But that's okay. I, I don't, I don't call way, myself a Jesus freak. Is a I'm going to tell you what. There's this year... I'm finding Jesus, baby. No, there is a spiritual warfare. It's spiritual. There is a spiritual warfare. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, not I'm a spiritual atheist. guy. I'm not a religious I'm guy. I'm an alienist. But I'll tell you this. This year, I got closer to God. Do you think there's evil presences Thanks, COVID. trying to come in through? I think there's a lot of evil more than you know. There's been evil in me. What are you talking about? I made my mistakes. <sighs> no, I'm talking Dude, about... Dude, evil could be in your brain, bro. My I, brain. On, Negative thoughts, that's evil. I know. Even that, even you being worried about one test, evil's telling you bad things that create fear. You're right. You know what's fear. evil? Fear. Fear, you're right. Fear is evil. You're right. Therefore, the media is evil yeah. because that's what they promote. I promote comedy and laughter and good times and fun. That's what I promote. That's why I'm good at it. I don't put fear into what I do, bro. I have to say something. Go Jesus. Ahead. Go ahead. I love by, Jesus. Yeah. By the way, the last <laughs> I want to let everybody know that you were not a Jesus freak, and I don't think you. Are I might Jesus become freak. a preacher. You Maybe I'll just be. do comedy. You could and save lives with Jesus at the same time. That but, might be my future. I do, start, and I'll find churches. Can I say? Something? Go ahead. Yeah, I do feel that the Jesus thing is more and more like more people have been saying this to me lately, and whatever floats your boat. You no, know, I get into it. it, and there's actually uh, some people have been like. Hipping me to stuff And I'm like Oh that's it I, I can listen to it right Yeah Just like I listen to Non-Jesus people right But here's what I want to say Is that The last thing I gotta say two things Remember me to say this Parties You and I spent the last Normal event together Oh we got lucky How lucky did we get This to is what people don't realize that The weekend before Yeah We went to the last Official NASCAR race Yeah filled with people Tons 
So cool. And a fucking like record. Incredible time. And a photo finish. And we were guests. Incredible. We were guests with the granddaughter. Of the creator of NASCAR. Yes. We were it was in, incredible. We were basically in NASCAR's. We were on the pits in the roads during push. the race. We, yeah. We were basically in the gas tank. Unbelievable. Of the winning, like in the pit circle. Mm-hmm. No one could get in. She walked us in and like, it's Jay and Jamie. Like, like eh, you. It was incredible. And thank most you, by access, the way. The most access I've ever had at any event. Go ahead. Yeah. We should thank her. Yes. Thank you. Thank her. Thank you, Amy. Amy. Amy LaFrance. Yeah. We appreciate you. Yeah. She, dude, she put us like literally in the winner's circle. It was incredible. And then after that. What an event, bro. I know. My dad loved I never got into NASCAR, but let me tell you something. If you've never been to a NASCAR race, I don't care if you're in the pits or not. Get out. Yeah. It's incredible. I'm not a gearhead, but yeah. I was I was fucking it's fascinated. Floored. It and floored you know how crazy it was is those guys are in the pit running the race for their car, talking to them, and still, like, chilling us, going, what's up, Scream? You know, like, calling me B-Rad and calling, what's up, Jay? And, like, yeah. they were calm and still winning. And that was incredible. Yeah. That was the sheer mastery of it. It's And the, like, yeah. the loudness, never seen anything like it. Incredible. Now, dude, that was insane because I don't know if we'll ever go to it. Like, we had from beginning to end. We were, like, the first one to the tracks, the last one to leave. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a door we could not get in. Nothing. We had that after parties. I was so tired, we left that night. Yeah, we, we could have gone to more after parties with yeah. the NASCAR races, but we didn't. Yeah. But we were, like, it was, it, she really, thank you again, Amy. <laughs> you, you treated Amy. us like gold. But she invited us to the Daytona 500. I know, I We could have gone to that. We got to go to But it one. didn't happen. Now, well, wait. It did, but it, it no didn't. people. It's not going to be fun with no people, right? But, dude, that is going out to me was like the last huge event. And I'm like thinking about like, will an event like that happen again? So hey, let me ask you. Will this. another event like I do happen again? No, not until I can. I'm not going to have the government tell me where I have uh, to seat people. Yeah. I'm going to. I do comedy, bro. Fearless comedy. You're going to be shoulder to shoulder, laughing and spitting on each other. No plexiglass. No masks on your waitresses. No masks on the comedians. No plexiglass on their face. No plexiglass around the stage. No virtual comedy bullshit. We want real audiences, live people, touching each other, laughing together with no fear. That is healthy. Yeah. I got to tell you, yeah, I agree. Yeah, here's what's crazy. I was thinking about this. I remember, this is just a casual thing. I was thinking about it. So after I saw you, then I was working for like 12, 15 years of just really doing it. And then when I was like in my early 40s, like 42, I'm like, I'm going to start letting the air out of the tires because I've been doing it for almost 20 years and I've gotten successes. And I was like, oh, let me start enjoying my success. And the only time I ever really drank or anything was like at a rap party mm-hmm. or maybe after a long weekend, the Saturday night at a comedy weekend. And I'm thinking about like what we're saying about all the stuff that we know about and all the fun we had. And it's like, if you talk to any actor, like I was fortunate enough to talk to Robert Downey Jr. You know, and when he was in Bowfinger and I was get my makeup and he got his makeup and he was in it, and we probably had 40 minutes in the chair, and, and I just probably annoyed him to death, just asking him about the 80s. And he was like, Hollywood in the 80s, was, you know, I don't know if there's ever a funner time. Yeah. But then if you exactly. talk. But dude. He night, almost ran me over one day. That's a good person to get run <laughs> over. I know. Dude. But when I was on, I, I got like Jack Nicholson's ear for a minute when I was on the movie As Good As It Gets, and I asked him about Hollywood, and he was wow. like. Wow. He was like, in the 60s. 
never sell anything. You know, so I don't know. I have to work on that. But what no, I'm I was saying good. is, Robert had the 80s, Pablo had the 70s, Nicholson. So each generation is going to tell you what it was, right? And there's if you if you talk to fucking uh, the, uh, Lionel Barrymore, he'll tell you it's the 20s, right? So what I'm trying to tell you is, is that the 90s, the 2000s, yeah. fuck, even the early 2010s, I mean, it was on, right? It was no problemos. And I'm just thinking of one time, just, just a simple one time. A little, I forget what club was popping off. I'm gonna say like One Oak or one of those clubs. Yeah. And then like, you know, remember like the after party? What the, oh, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was called? That was that club that was on the street in Hollywood. It was a house. Do you remember that house? And it was like Ledoux. Oh, Ledoux, I remember that spot. Ledoux yeah, was, we up to like yeah. four in the morning. Yeah, so exactly. You weren't supposed to. And then like Ledoux would be closed at two. Then there's sneaky room. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to like till four. And then they, they would yeah. take, the promoter would take you back to his house in the hills. Yeah. And or I just, somebody else's house yeah. in the hills. Yeah. And it would be a sick house. So much fun. So many beautiful models. Yeah. Fun dudes like you LA. and me. Is the shit? I, I, of course, I I, I I fell in love with L.A. Anywhere I went in the world, I couldn't wait to get back to L.A. Everywhere else is boring. I, I know, dude. Now it's the opposite. Dude, what's crazy <laughs> is this. Well, I gotta ask you about that. What's crazy is I just remember sitting there, and I had a girlfriend. I was like, we were broken up at the time, and this beautiful model comes up, and she had a fucking Altoid box, and she goes Altoid. And I was about to take one, and in it, it they were like Percocets. Oh, and I was like, oh fuck, I don't want to fucking yeah, sleep. No. And so, but she's like, and she took one, and then she put it on her tongue and kissed her friend in oh. front of me. And I was like, this is beautiful. And then, right like before like anything happened, my stupid like ex girlfriend girlfriend came on like <laughs> at like four, so yeah. like end up arguing with her till like six. But what I'm saying is that was probably a Tuesday. In LA, yes, with a couple of six footers that were giving each other Percocet, yeah. and people are laughing, or someone's smoking a doobie, and there's a fucking singer, and, and we're all just there, and no one's recording it, everyone's mm-hmm. chill, yeah. And now those days are over, Jesus, it's so sad, Jesus. We should all throw our phones away, we should <sighs> all literally stop promoting fear. Fear comes right on our phones. Fear comes on the TV. I go to the gym. I'm like, dude, can we turn the news off, bro? I'm trying to get in shape and get away from this negativity. And you got freaking CNN over here and headline news on this one. Put some sports on, bro. Oh, wait. LeBron's talking shit now. Oh, what? Put on the Academy Awards. Oh, they're talking shit about that. Come on. Stop. Can we just have entertainment for what it is? Yeah. Can we? Like, yeah. I don't need to be out there promoting Jesus, but I'll tell you what, the more you talk shit, I'm going to start going Jesus crazy. You don't want to hear about religion and Jesus. I'm going to give you that then. You want to talk about all the bullshit in this country that's wrong? I'm going straight to Jesus with you. How about that? Dude, can I if tell you? If you hate, then that's what I'm talking about. Because I'm sick and tired of hearing celebrities, sports people, even comed- whoever you are, it's all this crap about all these problems when America is so great. Yeah. Why don't we come together as Americans? Why don't we love each other and stop complaining about every little thing? There's bad people in this world. They're all different colors. There's nothing to do about it. People are going to get killed. I'm going to die. You're going to die. We're going to die. Yeah. Stop. Okay, hold on a second. Let me tell you two things. Do you think... Dude, by the way, Crazy Jay Davis is a funny Jay Davis. Thanks. You got to just let yourself be unfiltered. Yeah. Because this is a new thing for you. 
Well, I'm excited to get back on stage. I mean, my goals are, I've been writing. I got a lot of new material. You don't need to write. You just have to get mad. I know. But being mad is not good either. It's not healthy. But that's kind of funny. It's I'm funny. a funny mad guy. Yeah, you are. It, but, but wait a minute. But tell, just to, before we end here, tell us about the girlfriend. And you told me that you became a what? You had a girlfriend for a minute. A girl, when? Like a, 10 years ago? When was that? Yeah, and you were trying to be a good guy. When? What are you talking oh, Back in the day when I had a girlfriend, I went celibate? No, and you said you became a cuck. A cuck? <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? You became a bitch. Oh, 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 oh. When I had a friend girl? <laughs> no, he said you had a girlfriend and she changed you into a bitch. Oh, really? Yes. I was a bitch at one time, yeah. <laughs> Even when I was married, I feel bad for well, my you wife. you were married. Yeah, I was married, bro. I didn't know that. I was a little bitch, man. She, How long were you married? She's not a man, bro. Can't be fucking... Anyway, I've learned a lot since then. I, I, you know, I wish her well. I think she's doing good now, but yeah, I wasn't a good, you know, I was a little bit of a bitch. How long were you married? Two years. Wow. Yeah. Had a great wedding though. It was incredible. We had an incredible wedding. My dad died five months after the wedding. Oh, I'm sorry. So I look at that wedding as kind of a last hurrah, hurrah. for him. Yeah, yeah. Because all my family flew out here for it. That's beautiful. And the the wedding was epic. I I had I paid for most of the wedding, and it was worth every penny. Yeah. And um, even my ex wife, I'm sure she had fun at the wedding. We we all had a ball. Her family was awesome. Mine was awesome. And all the comedians were there. Uh, Jamie Masada, Dane, everybody was there. Dane was in the wedding, and it was it was an awesome night. Brad, I snuck um. Brad Williams underneath my wife's wedding dress. Yeah. And he was in a tuxedo. When I went to take the garter off, he came flying out with the garter and we played Looney Tunes and I chased him around the reception. It was hilarious. Wow. It was nice of him to do that. That was. But don't ever put um, a little person under your wife's wedding dress. It might be a bad omen. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's what he told me anyway. But yeah. we make jokes about it. Yeah. But yeah, it was an incredible time. And it was good because my dad, he was able to... Um, Get a last hurrah with everybody. Yeah. You know? So it worked out. And I know that I'm happier now than I've ever been. And being married was, I don't think I was that happy. And obviously, and yeah. it, it wasn't a good fit. So hopefully she's happy. I wish her well. But yeah, I'm happier now than I've ever been. Yeah. Probably because I got Jesus. You <laughs> got <laughs> oh, Jesus. It Finally, up. it'll man you up, bro. Yeah. Dude, tell the people where they can find you. You, you know, you can find me in Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking around a lot over there. You don't see me in Hollywood anymore because I don't go over there. I don't want to get mugged. Yeah. Um, dude, people are mugging with violent crime. California, I tell you. Really? It's got some issues, man. We're we, going to we get, get through it. But yeah, I'm in Burbank a lot, walking around. Uh, you don't got no socials. That's about it, bro. I don't care about social media. You don't you know care what? about Let's shit. Just, just Google Jay Davis and someone will be talking about me. Well, listen, uh, buddy. I love you. Love you. But I no, want to get I'm gonna, these shows I'm gonna, back. I'm gonna. I'm producing a movie with you. We're doing yeah, a movie. Yeah, we're doing a movie. Hopefully, it's going to happen. We've got some good things going. I'm producing another movie, too, a horror film called, uh, I forgot the name of the movie, something, I, mm, something Circle. I should get the name of the movie. The Circle. No, but it's going to be a horror movie. Right. That's happening. So we got some good stuff going on. And I'm excited to get back on stage when, when I can do it the right way. I'm not going to. I'm sorry, but I just don't want to do social distance comedy. I'm just not going to do it. Then don't do I it. Don't want, I'm going to do comedy when there's no fear. So That's if I got to wait another year, I'll wait another year and just, you know, embrace my writing and 
produce some movies. I'm do some acting stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy with that. Brilliant. And to be quite honest with you, I'm, I'm right now I've got investors. I'm putting together for my own comedy venue. That's going to happen. It may not even be in California. So we're not allowed to talk about that. Why we not? Did. Who cares? All right. Doesn't, I'm not hiding anything. Okay. Anyway. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate you having me, man. Appreciate you coming, man. Can we pray? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>